Schneider. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Shaber Show. I'm your host, Shaber Shaberi. Excited to have my next guest, who I've been fortunate enough to know since college at San Jose State, Matthew Olivieri, or Matteo Olivieri. Thanks for being on the Shaber Show, man. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, I'm excited to finally get to uh, be a part of this awesome podcast that I've actually gone back and listened to many of the shows. So congrats oh, thanks, on the success. And I'm glad to see you keep taking the show forward. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And... um for those who are listening in, you know, one of the things intriguing about Matthew is, and you don't really see this much about the industry, is digital signage, specifically in the U.S. Uh, it's pretty more, you know, relevant in, in Europe and Asia. But before I do that, like Matthew, they want to explain like who you are, where you're from, you know, where you get raised. Yeah, should I go way back to the very, very beginning, or <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, to, I mean, to the college days where you and I were uh, kicking it at San Jose State. Yeah, yeah. Wherever you want. Like, generally, like, yeah, where were you? Are you from San Jose or where are you from? Born and raised in San Jose, California. So, Silicon Valley kid. Nice. Grew up in the South Bay. Just was inundated with tech my whole life. I literally remember the day my dad brought home our first ever Apple IIe and then oh, wow. Macintosh computer and all this stuff. It was like this huge, like, awesome moment in my life. You know, mm -hmm. video games were huge, just all kinds of tech. I was always surrounded by tech. So that really kind of like kicked a fire off inside of me to want to be a part of that industry and be a part of that life when I got older. Um, of course, went to San Jose State University where I met you uh, and yeah. so many other awesome people and professors and studied business management, communication major. I mean, business management with a communication minor. And it was around that time that I had my entrepreneurial epiphany moment where I had observed electronic billboard signs in and around the community. Uh, hmm. I'd also done some international travel, as you mentioned, you know, digital signage, billboard, electronic billboards, things of that nature, outdoor advertising, very yeah. popular all over Europe and Asia. So I'd yes. done a little bit of traveling to uh, Europe and Japan and seen these uh, outdoor signage. And I just yeah. became very curious how they worked. And doing that research led me to kind of discover that it was just a hyper-fragmented space where each, effectively, every billboard was owned by a different entity. So if you wanted to advertise the Showbeer, Showbeer show across a dozen or so billboards in you know, Northern California, you'd have to make you know, upwards of 15 or 20 different phone calls, sign different contracts, wow. a lot of effort to pull that off. So... Mm -hmm. While I was still uh, in the dorms at San Jose State, I conceived the idea for an online marketplace that would effectively bring all of these assets under one database and, make, and we would index it, make it searchable for anybody to kind of like log on and say, like, show me all the digital screens that exist in my zip code. And then they could load up nice. a credit card and a JPEG image and they could effectively buy an advertising campaign across all of them with a few clicks of a mouse. Um, so instead almost like of Google AdWords or uh, pre, I guess you kind of argue, uh, you know, pre all GDPR and all this other stuff, Facebook ads, you know, right. very geolocational. And so like you're doing that for billboards. And, yeah. Um, and that was an interesting thing because you and I had many conversations in those early days of the formation yeah. of the company. We were actually in a incubator in Sunnyvale at that time. And I remember we actually had quite a bit of pushback from people because 
as you mentioned, you know, more prolific in Europe and Asia at that time, not as many assets in the US. So the you know, investors were reluctant. What, what year is this? This was around 2008, 2009, 2008 yeah. to 2010 timeframe. There wasn't um, as many digital signage then as it is now. Correct. Yeah, it's much, uh, much more prolific now. How, okay, so let's let's give some like back background. Like, uh, sure. What was because at that time I remember you know there were still a lot of static billboards in and around everywhere. Now you probably see digital signages in malls, gas stations, you know, on the billboards through the highways and freeways. Right. You know, I'm assuming stadiums, sports stadiums. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. So those are a few, and then yeah, I mean. <laughs> It's interesting you mentioned it was very fragmented because I've I've known that people like uh, or companies like CBS CBS mm-hmm. Interactive has had their share of this market in the U.S. and maybe so. There's a few questions here. You know, one is like, what are the devices and how long that's taken to be there now in the U.S.? Where were they in Europe and Asia? And what's some good examples? You know, there and then like, is there parallels and so forth? So I'll, I'll ask him again, but like, yeah, just maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get excited. I'm like, this is different. Uh, I'm on the hot yeah, seat. I'm what, on the hot this seat. Is I, like I have you on the show. And what's the company name? So people. You know, uh, the company name is adsemble.com. That's uh, A-D-S-E-M-B-L-E.com. So check that out. And yeah, to answer your question, when I was doing the initial business plan and the, kind of this strategy of like just kind of seeing what the marketplace and landscape, that's when I discovered that like at that point in time, the cost of LED was still relatively high in general, but it was more accessible in Europe and Asia. So you saw more of these signs, billboards on the freeways or smaller screens in retail locations, convenience stores, shopping malls, stuff like that. You just saw a lot more of it overseas. But as the price of the LED screens got lower and lower, companies started to bring that technology from Europe and put it here in the US. And so you could kind of say that like, to use a surfing analogy, you know, I was kind of out there yeah. on my surfboard waiting for the wave to come in. And now it's, you know, the wave has come in and, you know, we we're you were at the wrong waves. state with the wrong waves. And you should <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, that was the thing that you and I discussed, right? Because a lot of investors yeah. in Silicon Valley back then were very much like, we don't get this space. We don't even really believe in this space really, because it's like, we don't mm-hmm. see how big the market opportunity can be. At that but point you went. In time. You went basically to New York a lot. You went to Los mm-hmm. Angeles a lot. A little bit more of obviously an ad, ad friendly to certain extent Chicago. Big time. You know, like so. I wonder from those markets and obviously the likes of classic Madison Avenue, but now mm-hmm. most of them are also in tech. What was there at that time? Like, what were the like you know perspective on that space? Was it still very novel? And then where is it now? Like, where was? What was the overall market cap for digital signage in like when you started and what it is it now? I think it's been what almost 15, 20 years, right? No, uh, about 14 to 15 years, according to what LinkedIn tells me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get the little LinkedIn anniversary uh, notification. Yeah. It makes me feel nice Crazy. and old. Thank you, LinkedIn. Yeah, I think when we started, it was just over maybe 2 billion, I want to say, if I recall correctly. And, you know, okay. now it's like upwards of like, around like I want to say it's like between like 10 and 15 billion if I'm not mistaken okay you know maybe all in with like just the electronic part of it not including also the printed billboard signs yeah. that that would add to that so just focused on just the digital aspect of it so 
you know, it's definitely grown, but it's not one of those sexy hockey stick type of things that investors wanted. And I had to get over that. That's a really big part of my story is that I had dreams of just taking this business plan up on Sand Hill Road and like everyone's going to start cutting me checks. And we we didn't raise a single dollar of traditional financing. We did raise some angel investment money from like friends and family and stuff like that. But, you know, the conventional, like, I don't know who the big uh, firms, VCs were back then. I don't even know if they're still around, but nothing of the sorts, right? And I had to decide, do I believe in this idea enough to still push forward and make it happen, which I did. And here we are all these years later, still thriving. And we went cash flow in that. So like, so basically you just said enough is enough to try to fundraise in Silicon Valley. When was like, I mean, this is like always exciting as like a BD salesperson's perspective. What was your first deal? Like ever deal you had that you commit? Was it like a small family shop or was it actually a big company that said, Here, here's like, I don't know, $20,000 for dis- yeah. display? Yeah, it was a professional sports team in the Bay Area and they were just starting up their season. And I had kept knocking on their door, kind of, you know, wanting to show them what I had built, this database mm-hmm. of access and locations. And, uh, you know, the guy was never there, or if he was there, he wouldn't take a meeting with me. But I was <laughs> very, very persistent. And this is another message that I try to tell young up and coming entrepreneurs is you cannot give up when the door gets slammed on your face. You know, if you really believe Mm -hmm. in the idea, you have to keep pressing forward. So I uh, just kept bringing Starbucks coffee every single day and dropping it off to the secretary. And finally, one day, the secretary is like, "Okay, this guy is going to see you now because he's like, you know, seeing that you're you just won't give up. And I was like, cool. She's like, "Okay, can you wait for like 30 minutes? I said, yeah, absolutely. So I waited for 30 minutes. She finally calls me in his office and he goes are you the guy that keeps bringing me coffee every single day? I go, yes, I am. And he goes, you know, I don't even drink coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. But I said, I did not know that. He's like, but it's all good because I just keep giving them out to people in the office and everybody knows your name now and everybody loves you for bringing coffee every day. So I was like, well, that works. You know, that works. So shout out Starbucks, man. Making deals (laughs) happen. Making dreams become reality. So he gave me a small amount of money to kind of like test us out. And the you know, kind of the funny story behind that was he uh, he kind of looked me up and down and I was wearing, I used to always go out and wear suits. You know, this was something Correct. my dad instilled in me. Oh yeah. And it's kind of an inside joke amongst all the boys, all the friends, you know, yourself included. It's like, oh, here comes Mateo, uh, you know, in his <laughs> suit. When everyone else in Silicon Valley is wearing like a hoodie and torn jeans, but you know, the way my father raised me was just like, hey, you know, first impressions mean everything. And if you walk right. into a room and everybody's wearing a suit and you're not, you know, it's going to be a really, you're going to feel awkward. It's going to be really bad, right? Also better to be overdressed and not. That's, that's what I'm getting at. On the flip side of that, yeah. if you walk into the room and you're the only one wearing a suit and everyone else is dressed down, you can loosen your tie or take your tie off and you know, you can still fit in, but you still made a really good impression. So that just really made sense to me. So this guy looked me up and down, saw that I was wearing this nice suit and all this stuff. And he goes, well, he's like, I can't give you as much money as probably your other clients do, but what can you do with like 20,000 bucks? And I had to give him my best poker face and I had to be like, oh, geez, you know, that's not a lot. I don't know. Let me go back to HQ and like fiddle with the numbers and see what I can come up with. Right. And uh, <laughs> little did he know, H- HQ is like my parents' house, right? My mom's yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bedroom in my parents' house, right? Where I was still living. So that was very kind of a comical moment. And I, by the way, I made sure I parked down the street 
because I had this, you remember my old Acura Integra, it had like the seal on the hatchback had broke and water from the rain had like filled up <laughs> in the trunk. So, you know, not a good look, right? I didn't want him like looking out his window and seeing me get in that car. So I parked right. way down the street. But when I did finally get to my car, I just let out this, the biggest, you know, shout of yeah. praise and happiness because I had finally got the first deal, big deal of the company's history that like kind of mm. solidified the whole thing that there was a demand for what we had yeah. created, right? So yeah, to your point, cash, cash, uh, uh, bootstrapped, did everything just based on deals. I still kept my night job, weekend jobs, just whatever I needed to do to get by as I grew the business. And then little by little, we added team members and kept it going from there. Were you, uh, you know, from day one plat- platform, were you like an agency, like a hybrid model? Yeah, agency, that's a great question. Platform? And then did you- where are you now with the platform? Yeah. And, and, uh, you oh, know, so let's say you're at kind of, uh, you know, oh, I want to get into digital signage. This yeah. is a new channel. Great question. Well, you, um, so for your listeners, like you personally know this, but for your listeners, yeah, the original, again, business plan, business model was a self-service website where anybody could wow. log in and book their own digital signage, their own billboard campaign, right? But when we mm-hmm. came out of the gate back then, nobody was like kind of like interested in doing it on their own at that point in time. It was just such a new idea. There was all this other stuff that people were doing marketing wise. I mean, Facebook ads were starting to become a huge deal around that time. So like everyone's money and and was focused on that. So I decided I'm not going to wait around for people to just like this. So we had a platform, but it was not being accessed. And in fairness, it wasn't because we were bootstrapped. I didn't have like top tier engineers to boot all the bells and whistles in it. So it, it was functional, but it wasn't fantastic. It lagged in some areas and whatnot. So I didn't want to wait for people to like fiddle around with the platform. I just decided to kind of act as an agency. And I would just like, in the case of that professional sports team, I just told the guy, give me a budget, tell me where you want to have your ads displayed and I'll go launch the whole thing for you. So I ended up like using our own platform on behalf of clients. Now, fast forward to 2023. I'm very proud to say that our product, opendisplay.com, is fully live, functional, and is regularly used by people, 100% self-service. People all over the country are logging and launching their own billboard campaigns. And it's really, really rewarding to finally see that dream become the reality because that's what I always wanted. I wanted a... You know, I wanted something where people could feel empowered to do it on their own late at night, you know, if they're just like, oh, I got to put up a billboard for this event or for my product launch. And they, mm-hmm. they already have IG ads going and they already have Facebook ads going. Well, now they can log in to opendisplay.com and they could do a billboard ad too. And they don't have to talk to us. Now, we do still have like a hybrid model. What I mean by yeah. that is our bigger clients, like we've had some major customers like H&R Block, Coca-Cola, nice. different brands like that. At that level, at that size of spend, we're not going to ask those guys to like log into the dashboard. We're just like, tell us what you need. We'll spec it all out. We'll do it. We'll run the reporting for you. Everything like VIP concierge service, like white glove service. So that's kind of what we do for people at that level. Yeah, let's talk about this. So like, okay, what is the kind of some good use cases? Because again, I'm still trying to, you know, wrap my head. So give some context. You know, there's obviously traditional web advertising. Yep. Um, there is mobile, which I'm generally been since inception, mobile huge, app advertising. Huge. Yeah. There is influencer advertising, which has become a multi-billion dollar market, still growing. And then, you know, there's an interesting CTV, which is a, you know, television, which is probably going to be worth 
potentially like a trillion dollars, right? Mm. Like you're talking about like everything digitized streaming service, live streaming ads. And so basically taking everything that's traditional on like regular TV and putting it on digital uh, mm. and more interactive. That's the new front there. I mean, forget like all the other stuff that potential because there's no marketplace for like AR, VR, you know, like those type of stuff and metaverse ads. There's It's just not there yet. But like digital signage seems like it's a new channel. And again, it doesn't seem as relevant here in the Valley as I've heard other places. So let's talk about, like you said, Coca-Cola. First off, side note, did Starbucks ever buy on you? You should tell that story to Starbucks so you could get their ads. <laughs> I need to. Come on, you got to get Starbucks. I need yes, to. You, yes, you need to get Starbucks. Starbucks, <laughs> if, you're listening to the, if you're listening to the Chaubert show, let's you go. got to use uh, go. ad symbol. But let's talk about like, for example, Coca-Cola or whatever that's like you shareable. Have you had a situation like, oh, right now is like the final four. You're able to target Houston or Dallas for the women's final four ads specifically yep. for Coca-Cola or any brands. Or what is a good use case that's like people could kind of recognize and it's very effective to do on a display? Is it while driving or no? Is it, That's more branded because you can't really use a QR code driving. Or is it more like at the gas mm. station, at the mall? Like what's some good ones? This is a really fascinating paradigm shift that I've seen take place over the last like 10 to 12 years. Okay. Basically, in the old days, only the biggest brands even knew how to access this medium. Back to my original business plan, like hypothesis about the whole thing, is it was super fragmented market. So only people with huge budgets, like the Coca-Colas of the world and the McDonald's and the Verizon Wirelesses, <laughs> would even have the agency plug to know where to go find the access points to set all this up and deploy it. So mm. the very first thing that we did when we came along is we're like, screw that. Billboards and all this digital outdoor signage can be for everybody, small businesses and large businesses. So by lowering the threshold, the barrier to entry through our platform, we started making it much, much more accessible to the masses. And the masses didn't even know that they could access it. They also thought it was extremely expensive and out of their reach. But in reality, the way we democratized it, we made it very, very like incremental. So we basically rolled out the first ever programmatic version of basically like the same way that you do programmatic online ads for mobile mm -hmm. or for websites. We deployed yep. that same approach to this outdoor signage. So now you actually have a multitude of ways you could do it. Like if you have a product launch, if you're a small business in a local community and you want to bring massive awareness to your grand opening or product launch, you could literally log in and light up every single billboard in your community and have it running nonstop all day. And just the whole community is going to know what's up. Or conversely, we could do geofencing, geotargeting, and programmatic buying, where we basically look at different audience patterns through mobile, through different third-party APIs that we have access to. So we can actually like study where mobile phones are interacting with certain types of businesses and have profiles of these customers. And then a person could set up a budget of like $20 a day and have their ad appear at certain times of the day or certain days of the week when it's most likely to be intercepted by those mobile patterns. So you're talking about like, okay, for example, I have a shop, I want to target a certain area within my shop. And you're mentioning like, oh, geofencing with like a lot mm -hmm. of users. That's Are you talking about mobile display? Or are you actually going into like, no, no, no. So these are the local geo customers. We want to retarget at the mall or at the stores or well, in this billboard. Yeah. 
Right. We're using mobile data to know where that audience segment is got traveling. It, it. So we're, we're targeting the advertising and we're layering the mobile data that we have access to on top of like heat maps and stuff. So we know exactly where all the screens are that nice. that audience segment is most likely to travel in their daily pattern. This is interesting because there's two things here. This is, I'm glad we're going to first is like, let's give a quick history background about how much it's traditionally like, a, you know, billboards costed to buy. Mm-hmm. Was it like 20,000? Oh, yeah. You're just getting Easily. a stat, static image there and you get 350,000 people driving a day. You see it on like one yeah. one And then how does that compare programmatically with you guys? Like, is sure. it now like... So yeah, you nailed it right on the head. I mean, easily in a four week span of time, a major billboard on, uh, let's say the Bay Bridge, something like that could very easily run you $25,000, $30,000 over the course of four weeks span of time. That would be like the old school pricing, right? Yeah. But with a programmatic approach, you could literally have that same ad targeted very specific times of the day or the week to audiences for pennies on the dollar by comparison. So we've completely yeah, like, switched up that entire pricing model to make it much, much more accessible to the masses. You, obviously, you're not getting the same level of exposure in terms of repetition of your ad appearing, mm-hmm. but that's because it's programmatic. It's targeted to like exactly the times of the day or like the most opportunistic times that your ideal target customer is going to encounter the billboard or encounter yep. the digital sign. And that is in line with the idea of like kind of programmatic advertising. Okay, so this, I mean, this is a great example. Like if there's that one digital sign I know on the Bay Bridge, you're coming in, you're going to San Francisco, instead of the static one, you want to buy like, and this is just pure hypothetical. Um, let's say the Warriors have a game. They're trying to promote that game. It's coming up. Like they're playing, for example, the Thunder on Tuesday and it's Friday afternoon. You're stuck or Friday morning you're going to work because technically there's a bit bigger crowd going to San Francisco in the mornings. Boom, the display, you could double down and buy that ad at a fraction of cost versus paying for Absolutely. That's what we've set up. That is the technology that we've built. And it's nice. never been done before. That's never been done before. So okay, I think great. that's what like let's talk about the I guess like the US evolving. It's really funny. So like we have similar parallels in mobile. So there's a couple parallels here. The first I'll give is in Asia, you know, the app store the games initially just in US and everywhere. It was uh, paid and free when it launched. In-app purchases launched around 2012, 13. And in Asia, they were the first to really adopt uh, the push for in-app purchase, like a free-to-play. Play for free, but you got to buy in to like, scale up your military, your baseball player, whatever, mm, right? Okay. And yep. then the U.S.-based companies like hypothetically Zynga or EA Electronic Arts and others followed along by learning those processes from like, at that time, it was greed from Japan or DNA from Japan. Interesting. Um, yeah. So like, and then the other parallels is like chat apps, like in Asia, WeChat from China, Line from Japan, Kakao from Korea. We're just massively obsessive. WhatsApp follow along, Messenger follow along what the ones in Asia did. Yeah. And a lot of people kind of pivoted from just using social media to these apps to chat with each other in the West too. So let's think about like this in the digital signage perspective, like, yeah, absolutely. In the UK, France, and also, jeez, um, oh uh, probably, I would say those were the two biggest markets that had the most amount of coverage when I was doing my preliminary research in terms of Europe. 
And then okay. in Asia, of course, you have Tokyo, and then you had Hong Kong were very, very, cities. very, very dominant in that space as well. And okay. I would say that now in 2023, it is because of the way that now companies such as ourselves are making it more accessible for people. There's like almost been this renaissance where people are like, you know what, like we need to start allocating marketing dollars to this channel, right? This needs to be one of the slices. And that's what we always advocate for, by the way. We never try to come in and say, give us all of your budget. You know, that's foolish. We say, give us a slice, give us a piece, try it out, see how it complements all your other marketing channels. Because the big pushback we get, which maybe every marketing channel gets, is how are we measuring ROI, right? Yeah, I was just about to ask that. So basically... Mm -hmm. You know, there's branded advertisers, you know, that just mostly want us to get as much splash as possible sure. and display branding. There's then obviously more now performance-based advertisers. Those have like tracking capabilities, like MMPs and other products that they use. So yeah, let's say I'm a brand. I'm like, all right, so I spend, you know, I have a budget of like $10 million a month. Typically I spend on mobile, a little extent on, you know, mobile social influencer, but like, why would I spend on you? Like, what is it? And how do I track this? Like, yeah, even if so, I give you six figures, like a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars, you know, how am I going to know? Like, customers see it; they're mm -hmm. going to actually come back and like, you know, buy our products. Yeah, I mean, a multitude of ways. Like, so we actually have uh, an entire index of case studies, ROI case studies, on our website on uh, adsimple.com in the uh, resources section of the site that has literally goes through various different categories and verticals to demonstrate from past customers, like how those customers have tracked and seen the ROI. The lowest hanging fruit way to see it is we actually advise people to use like Google Trends. Like we've had a number of customers that have launched a product or their site or their brand name or product name. And then they were able to use Google Trends to actually see spikes in the search traffic history of like people looking for that term. This would be like when they isolated just the billboards for a month or two months of use. Now, if they're complementing it with online advertising, then what we ask them to do is study their cost per click, study their SEO traffic, their Google Analytics traffic during the time frame in which the outdoor advertising piece was running and compare that to the previous window of time, same window of time when the outdoor piece was not there. And what we typically see like unilaterally across the boards is in a more efficient online spend and higher SEO because like people are out and about and they're exposed to the brand and then they go online and then they end up clicking through organically to the customer's website or clicking on their CPC ads or maybe their mobile ads or something like that, right? And then actually, if a customer is bringing on, like we do quite a bit of work with the cannabis industry now that cannabis mm -hmm. is legal in several states. But even though it's legal, there's very limited places where cannabis companies can advertise. Billboards is one of those places where they can advertise with certain restrictions. Got it. So a lot of cannabis companies take full advantage of billboards because that's a place where they can be seen. That's a place where they can highlight their brand. But they also are very heavy in mobile retargeting. So they know exactly where their customer base is like the travel patterns of their customer base. They even know like if their customers have like gone to other cannabis dispensaries and then they're like retargeting them 
through mobile ads in that way. Interesting. So for them, it's like a really perfect blend of like, their customers are being exposed on digital screens and billboards to their brand. And then they're also yeah. seeing the mobile ads pop up as well. And again, back to the original point is if they look at how their mobile ads were performing before they brought outdoor signage online as part of their marketing strategy, their cost per clicks would be like X. And then after they bring the outdoor signage on as part of the marketing strategy, their mobile ads uh, become more efficient. That's what we see across the boards. So there's like a good argument to be made that the additional investment in the outdoor ads is actually like helping them grow their user base and save them money like in other areas as well. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So digital signage now is kind of expanding in different areas too. So one of the, I've seen, for example, Uber just launched ads or they announced they're doing (laughs) ads and they're doing like a couple hundred million. They're going to do, they're looking at a potential time frame in short amount of time just to be a billion dollar market cap just to that vertical alone. They have their, obviously their Uber driver signage above like their yes. cars. You know, yep. there's also on the app, T-Mobile acquired a company that does digital Octopus. signage within, yeah, uh, that's right, uh, within cars and ride sharing. So if you're in your Uber or Lyft, uh, you see an ad that might be powered by that platform yep. by T-Mobile. Absolutely. So, you know, where does that fit in for you guys, right? And like, does, in reality, you get an Uber, are you really going to be like, oh, I'm like that that late night show ad that you saw, you were going to remember that? Or like, what is like some use case study you think is going to be effective for digital signage? Because that's what taxis used to have. Like you walked in a taxi and you're like, eh, you know, you remember some ads here and there, but not really. But again, like maybe Coca-Cola that's buying on you guys would be more effective. I mean, I think the... The question so is a little bit more like, like I'm the ad guy here because I'm typically not, but I'm the one. No, I, it's, you. no, it's really good. It's you bring up some great points. The interesting thing is like, look, whenever somebody really wants to sit down and like with a fine tooth comb or a magnifying glass, examine anything, mobile ads or billboard ads, you can poke holes through any of it, right? You could make arguments mm-hmm. for it or against it. But in the general sense, the average person what is all marketing people trying to do? They're trying to get their brand, their product, their service, their logo in front of their target customer as many times as possible. And hopefully, ideally, in the setting in which a person is most receptive to see the Mm -hmm. message and consume the message. So you and I, when we go on YouTube and we're trying to load up like the latest music video and an ad pops up and we have to wait five seconds before we can click skip ad, we cannot wait like I can't wait for that skip ad button to like allow me to skip the ad. Okay. Sure. That yeah. is that for me, that's me personally, but I've talked to many people that share that same viewpoint, right? To me, that's like an annoying ad experience. It's like, I don't care about an ad for Viagra right now. Like get rid of this. I'm trying to watch my music video or whatever the hell the ad is. Right. That's an annoying ad experience. Yeah. When I'm... But that's the thing. So like, okay, so let's show like from my perspective, I think Snapchat did an incredible job really getting brands to do five second to 10 second ads. Oh, I'm sorry. I have to contradict you. I hate Snapchat ads. They're so annoying to me. They are so pervasive and so annoying. I'm trying to watch someone's story, like an NFL story on the 49ers or something like that. And like one frame of the story goes by and then it's an ad for like whatever, like something, right? And I I have to wait. I'm not talking about the placement. I agree. I think in general, ad placements should also always be improving. Because okay. if, you, if you talk about like the five second rule on your mobile or, you know, like YouTube and others, a lot of times those ads really aren't effective 
they you're spending money on it and you're looking at I like at the a, mobile ads, by the way. I think the ones that you have been a part of with companies you've been a part of, where it's like I have to download the game and then I have to write the experience an ad to like level up or do something. I that to me, I'm okay with that. I'm like, okay, I get yeah, it. Like so, that's and, a trade off. Yeah, so mobile, there's been two big, kind of two to three. Uh, the really the first two was rewarded video, right? Mm, like the, like you're rewarding, okay. incentivizing a user to you know, hey, like you said, oh, you you're done racing, you crashed. Uh, watch this video and you could get it for free versus paying a dollar or two for an app purchase to revive yourself. Mm. Uh, and so that experience is better. And usually it's a game to game advertising. It's a one to one. So like, oh, maybe it's another racing game or it targets that demographic that's typically right. like a racing game male. Right. From my perspective, like, I'm, yeah, obviously I'm talking specifically about like the five seconds that you said you're annoyed as a brand on. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah yes. Yes. And even on Snapchat, you were mentioning like, oh, it was annoying. I saw it. That's the placement issue specifically. Um, I, okay. I'm saying is like, I like the fact that Snapchat did a great job changing branded ads to actually do five to 10 seconds. Yeah, Like Taco Bell ads within five seconds. And you know, if you think about it, Vine was really the first platform that Mm. had that like short content reel product, which now technically TikTok is really like that or the stories that you see on Snapchat and Instagram. So the reason why I kind of brought those examples is again, I'm a big fan of like, high quality experiences on ads, right? Yes. And you're Same. if you're like a digital signage, what's a high quality experience that is also very effective? Do right. you again do, can you really name like an, is there an example that you could share? So like this is like if I'm a brand listening into this again and I don't know digital signage and I, I maybe have twenty thousand, a hundred thousand to test and if it does well and I hit my KPIs this quarter or this month, then yeah, maybe I'll spend more. Oh um, yeah, I'll give you a perfect example. I mean like if we look at quick service restaurants Right, being able to dynamically have different ads appear throughout the morning, afternoon, and evening that highlight your breakfast offering, your lunch offering, mm. your dinner offering. Okay, mm-hmm. literally, people. So again, going back to like hitting people in the. We had a guest on our podcast. You were on our podcast, by the way. Thank you for that. Loved it. Loved having you. On. Yeah, I can't believe. It. <laughs> I can't believe it's been three years. Right, it's crazy. Right, right. Yesterday, ad, thank yes. you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, well, then that, that's why I wanted to be on yours. I was like, Hey, you know, that's pretty awesome. So, so we had a, uh, our podcast called the ad hero podcast. We had a guy on that said advertising is all about the right message, the right place and the right time. Called it a three legged stool. Guy's name is uh, Gary's Alaska. Awesome. Awesome guy. Great episode. So anyways, driving down the freeway, you're stuck in traffic. It's dinner time. Mm-hmm. You look up in the sky and there's this beautiful image of the perfect cheeseburger with cheese just melting off the edge <laughs> soda with like you know this uh, looks like the, the water is like on this cup because it's like so cold right and yeah, some, yeah yeah some fries with like steam marks coming off of it and I it like says it. you know the cheese melting you know, yeah, next like- you know in and out burger or mcdonald's you know next exit something like that it's it this is hot right now it's waiting for you i mean that Perfect. is a welcome experience where you're like, damn, I am kind of hungry right now. And it's right there. Okay, shit. Let's mm. go. Right? I mean, that is a very That's uh, a great ex- yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that I always tell people, obviously being an advocate for the space, because it's what I do for a living, but a billboard's purpose is to convey messages. Okay. Back to my mm-hmm. point about YouTube. YouTube's purpose is for me to seek out instructional videos, informational videos, music videos, clips of movies I want to like relive. That's its purpose in my eyes. Okay. The fact that they force feed me ads before I get to see the content that I'm really there to look for, I get it. They have to pay their bills. That's how they 
Google does it. But I'm like, I had to sit through this ad before I get to the content I really want. A billboard's existence, the reason it was built was to put messages up there, advertising messages. So the general population, you look at all these surveys that people have done, like other companies have done surveys of like what people think of signage, billboards and such. There's a general optimism. There's a general enjoyment. There's a general like, I'm okay with that. It's something for me to look at. It's something interesting to so get So what you're trying to tell me is yes. DoorDash or Uber Eats mm. or a brand like Chipotle, if you're listening in here, and again, Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. right? You got to use digital signage. Let's go. Maybe you're Let's stuck go. in that traffic. Let's go. There's Starbucks literally every exit. You it know, should be. And there's the seasonal drinks. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm because like everything... Yeah, mm-hmm. like the experience is like massive. Um, and if you're Good able time. to see something and catch it, and that ideally if it's trackable, that's the new phrase, trackable. Yes. But obviously there's like, you know, in the last few years, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, is GDPR, CCPA, California law, and beyond. You know, like there's obviously now like Apple and Google are, you know, the safety measures are doing with scan, ATT on devices per se. I don't think it's much probably in your space, right? But there's still like that concern like, oh, if I'm going to gas station and you know I'm, mm. I like like this product is so like where is that fine line as well in digital signage so they don't feel like threatened that you're you know like like oh I know this person before and you're sharing yeah it. yeah yeah well they, they, yeah I mean there are entities now there are businesses out there we've partnered with some of them that do have very interesting technology like antennas and things like that built inside the billboards themselves that can pick up certain frequencies, can pick up certain things. It's mainly mostly though, like there's third party companies out there that have, they pay for access to mobile data, right? Something I'm sure you'd be very familiar with. And, but this mobile data is limited based on the the laws of the U S government, what can be exposed, what can be revealed, et cetera. So, you know, they get large data sets of like, certain information that can be shared and that's how we can effectively like layer that information on top of a of a heat map and know where different screens exist where these people are most likely going to interact with or come into contact with but that's the extent of it today so it's not like a thing where like you're going to go to a specific gas station like in your local town and like i'm going to know you went there on tuesday at five o'clock it's not going to work like that Yeah, yeah but i would be able to know that a male in his 40s on average, on a given week, goes to a grocery store in this vicinity or goes to mm. shopping a shopping center in this vicinity, maybe goes to a gas station in this vicinity, goes to this movie theater mm. over here, this church over there, you know, and this gym over there. So through those patterns, I could create a programmatic plan where different days of the week, different times of the day, I'm putting messages out there where you're going to have the highest probability of encountering the message on some sort of screen in these environments. And so you might just catch it out of the corner of your eye. You know, you might be at the gym and walking by the treadmill and you look up because you asked this question earlier, you know, like how much these messages stick. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. You mentioned getting in the taxi cab. I totally agree with you. When I'm in New York City, sometimes I'm in the cab. I don't want to see the screen. I turn it off. Okay. And I work in a space, right? But then there's other times where like, I just got off the airplane. I have to go to my hotel. It's like 40 minute drive, you know, taxi cab from JFK to like Manhattan, whatever. And I'm like, you know what? Okay, let's see what this is about. And there's some interesting content there. Maybe an ad or two pops up for like Coca-Cola or some sort of drink, whatever, right? I'm like, okay, 
did am I going to remember every single message? No, but it did make an impression on my mind for that split second. And maybe at some point I am downtown, like by Times Square, and I go, you know what? Actually, yeah, that Frappuccino looks pretty good. Like I see a picture of the Frappuccino and it triggers subconsciously that I saw an ad for the Frappuccino in the taxi cab. And so that's, hey, that's, the, that's the, the fall. The people are obsessed to like, you, you want to target Starbucks again. Uh, you know, the fall, they love their like pumpkin spice lattes. Right. And they right, the right, peppermint right. mochas. Absolutely. Uh, so, and you definitely could do those target. <laughs> if, you, if, you, really? if you don't get this episode of the Shabir Shabir show sponsored by Starbucks, you're doing something terribly wrong, man. This is a. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the funny thing is the my ultimate hype, hype show for Starbucks. Yeah, right? I know. Well, because you're the one who used to drop the coffee into that. Uh, I did. Uh, I did. Team. So I, I'm like, I'm trying to like, I hey, maybe the next time instead of going to New York City, you got to go up to Seattle. Uh, That's, funny. That's funny. That is so um, funny. So two, I guess two quick things. You know, one is like the gaming space is really interesting. I don't know if you get gaming ads, yes. releases, and they're very obsessive about tracking and then, like, obviously, one-to-one targeting. Gaming is really interesting. Do you get gaming ads? Is it more like release announcements? Like, oh, here's Call of Duty. Boom. Like, like it's on the billboard. It's in the gas yes. station. It's in the mall. You do. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. We have. And we then, do. And then those are the outlets that they like. They like. They want the biggest placement places. They want Times Square. They want mm. LA. They want right outside, you know, Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles. They want downtown yep. Chicago. They want the top 10. They want the biggest places where they can make the biggest impact for those announcements. And I'm really glad you brought that up because I personally believe being an ad guy, being someone that's, you know, kind of a technology enthusiast, I think that entire industry is going to become the future of all entertainment television. I mean, you just look at the stuff of like the content that's being created by these guys. And even to your point earlier about like how ads can be, you know, the context of the ads, you see Taco Bell ads on these streaming platforms like Twitch and stuff like that. And they're literally making the ad specifically showing like like younger kids playing video games and then eating a burrito, right? It's like even the ad experience itself is not just like repurposed from television. They're making specific ads for gamers, and stuff. It's just very, very fascinating to me. And I'm really, really engaged by it. I think it's pretty awesome. That's awesome. And then the last question is more like, I guess, maybe twofold. It's just like, what are you excited about now in the future? Yeah. Um, like, you know, Matthew Olivieri, Matteo Olivieri, what are you excited about um, technology wise? And as far as your specific vertical, which is like digital signage? Yeah, well, technology, uh, definitely, like I said, the gaming space is something I'm keeping a very, very close pulse on. Uh, nice. Close watch on. I do. I am on Twitch. I have an account called MJO Snaps, and I stream whenever I get free time. I just it's something I want to experience and understand and learn about. So that's a space completely different from the outdoor signage space that I'm just kind of like checking out and like kind of having fun getting involved in and figuring out. And in terms Thanks. of specifically the outdoor advertising space, again, I we're laser focused on making this accessible to the masses. It's been really encouraging to see people start to log into our platform and do billboard campaigns entirely on their own for any size budget that they want to set and then track the results. And again, shameless plug, that's over at opendisplay.com if you guys want to check it out. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. 
Uh, but you know, I so I want to see more people. Do, I you know, we want to see that grow. We want to see we want to empower awesome. more small businesses to do that. You know, and then uh, we'll kind of see what the landscape looks like in terms of you know potentially being acquired or you know strategic partnerships. You know, any any one of those plausible, feasible. Uh, what do they call those? Uh, you know, jeez, uh, the, the name's escaping me. Right, exit strategies. Thank you. <laughs> type of thing. So, you know, I've been at it for quite a long time now, but I think it's finally getting to that place where like the traction is picking up substantially enough to become something really interesting to align with with maybe a bigger agency or another tech company that's out there that finds our software pretty powerful and, and pretty awesome. So, yeah, we'll look at that. That's awesome. Well, hey, it's great to uh you know, talk with you as always, Matthew. Glad we could do this, man. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, it's, it's took nice a little while to get on. finally link up, but it was it was worth the wait. Man. Yeah, because exactly. like because like the shows have been pretty awesome. So like, thank again, you, man. Yeah, shout out, shout out to shirt. you, man. It's awesome. Yeah, thank you for Matthew Levere. Thank you for joining uh, the Shabert Show, and hope people enjoyed learning about like digital signage. And uh, yeah, thanks again. Have a great day.